Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the title sponsor of the big show. That's Big O. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires. Save up to $150 on a set of Big O brand tires. Today, we're going to talk to Coach Chiesa coming up here momentarily. We'll ask him about the Jazz. Could have used some snow tires from Big O. A lot of folks out there with a little snow over the weekend. Uh, Gordon, I I, uh, took my daughter skiing again on Sunday, yesterday, I guess. And uh, let me tell you, those folks up there are very thankful to get a little snow. <laughs> well, it's pretty hard to have a successful ski season without any of it. <laughs> or how many of the resorts create their own snow? All of them. Do they? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they all do. And that's uh, that's uh, Mother Nature does it better. Oh yeah, much better. Uh, you, you know, I don't know. You, well, let me put it this way: you ski on man-made snow, you know it. Yeah, it's it, there's definitely a different texture to it anyway. All right. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, longtime jazz assistant coach and our good friend, Gordy Chiesa. What's up, coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. Terrific news. Thanks for jumping on with us as usual. We appreciate it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm talking about the jazz and the, the jazz uh, eight game winning streak has been sensational. And Gordon and uh, Jake, it all starts with the Jazz, uh, both sides of the ball, uh, offense and defense. Very impressive. So let's start there, Coach. What What is going the most right, or what stands out to you as, as going particularly well on either side of the ball? How they pass the ball, how they move the ball. The Jazz really are... Uh, they space the floor. They're pass-happy. In the most recent uh, eight-game winning streak, the Jazz are first in the NBA and offensively. So as far as shot-making, moving the ball, less turnover, so efficiency, and they're third in team defense the last eight games. And so both sides of the ball, they are performing as a unit. And it all starts with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan has played absolutely sensational. He's really basically, I call him a change agent, where when the Jazz had that road trip back east where they lost those back-to-back games to um, the Nets and ironically Knicks who the Jazz played tomorrow night at Vivid Smart Arena. Donovan really since then has taken over as far as both sides of the ball. He has some quick numbers as far as him being a change agent. In the eight-game winning streak, he's averaging 27.3 points per game, 51% field goal percentage, 50 from three, 89.3 from three throw percentage. He's got a plus 13-1 ratio rating, which is sensational. So he is the guy that has carried everything for the Jazz with all his trusted sidekicks absolutely also adding to it. What did you think of uh, Shaq's comments about Donovan Mitchell? Well, which one now? Tell me which one you're talking about. The one when he uh, was uh, so-called interviewing him uh, after the game the other night, and he said to him, I don't think you're good enough to take your team to the next level. Okay, I'm going to respectfully disagree strongly about that, is that when you're 24 years young and he's got ball skills 
and you have the feeling that he plays to win. I mean, he has the rare ability to showcase his own talent within a team game. So with that 24 points a game he's averaging, and it's how he gets them. He gets them really uh, out of the uh, fluidity of the offense. So he has talent. Now, he doesn't have a Shaq size. Like a lot of times with the big guys, I've coached many of them over the years, where they view the world only from a big man's point of view. I'll give you an example. One time in L.A., about in the early, uh, Gordon, in the early, um, like, 90s, Will, the late, great Will Chamberlain, uh, they asked him an interview, and we, we played the Lakers that night. They said to Wilt, um, who's your most favorite NBA player? And then Wilt said, that's easy, John Stockton. And then I told, I, I mentioned to John after that, as far as in the locker room, hey, Wilt loves you. And I said, and the reason why, because why, if he played with you, you'd always pass the ball to him. So that's how big guys view the world if they pass the ball to you. So with Shaq's comment with Donovan, he has enough talent to carry his team. Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, Mike Conley earlier today after practice was asked, um, you know, what it was like making a transition to the Jazz defensively. We talk so much about offense, but, but he was asked specifically defensively, and he talked about playing with Rudy and how he doesn't have to help as much. And he had to get used to that, saying it, it, it seemed to me like he was staying home on his guy where he would have helped on previous teams, maybe on those Grizzlies teams. Can you kind of break down what he's getting at right there? Yeah, very much so. With Rudy being such a force defensively, both on off the ball, if a guy starts backing down and Rudy's in help position as far as opposite, he can get in there with his length and really uh, detour a shot or make the player uh, become a doubt shooter where he might shoot it, but the footwork's not there. So Mike Conley, as a perimeter defender on his previous team, might go down and give early help and dig it out in a post or mid-post and try to cause havoc. Now he can stay more at home. But despite that, Jake, um, Mike Conley in the passing lane, he's 11th in the NBA in steals right now at 1.6 steals per game. So he, he's understanding how to play the GS schematically. Getting back to Mike Conley, he'd be a classic example, guys, of – his first year with the Jazz, I call Mike Conley, he was a teammate. On his second year with the Jazz, meaning this season, he became a floor mate. There's a big difference, Jacob. You know, I talk all the time in the air, the teammate versus a floor mate. And that, that teammate was last year getting used to playing with the Jazz schematically. This year, he's what? He's absolutely a floor mate. And that's why the Jazz are, have one of the best teams in the NBA, and they're trending upward. Gordy, where are you on the importance of uh, getting out in transition and the usefulness of it? I'm very much. You want to do is have get easier baskets. Like, for example, like tomorrow night's game, the Knickerbockers, they, they are hounding and pounding defense. They're first in the NBA as far as overall defense, as far as uh, field goal percentage defense, and the first in the NBA in three-point shooting defense. Now, the Jazz are the opposite. They're, they're the best shooting team in the NBA as far as three-point shooting, both percentage-wise, both made per game, and also as far as 30 attempts. So something has to give. So what, you, what has to give is in transition against a team like the Knicks, you've got to get the ball down the floor at an orderly, quick pace and to get your shooters early shots versus having to slug it out as far as a half-court offense. The Jazz lost to the Knicks uh, back in January 6, 112 to 100, and the Jazz uh, shot in that game only 42% and 31% from threes. So the learning point about that is that 
when the Jazz are eight-game winning streak, they've got a much more in transition as far as early offense. And a lot of times it's not really the shot taken, it's the pace of the ball being advanced. And that's right now Jordan Clarkson, Michael Conley, and also Donovan Mitchell. Gordon asked me this question earlier in the show. Uh, Coach, I'll, I'll pass it along to you. What has Derek Favors' return done for this team? And he, Gordon asked me specifically defensively, but I'll ask you all around. What has his return afforded them? Oh, very much. He's been tremendous where he anchors the second unit defense and every, every once in a while they play Rudy and him together. And that he's shooting right now 59.4%. I know a lot of it's lob dunks and just, uh, I call him a recipient scorer, but it's how he gets it. And he is a, he's a shot-blocking threat, and he's, he's helped Rudy on the boards as far as the Jazz are first in the NBA in overall rebounding. Now, Rudy, I, I get it. Rudy is absolutely a huge part of that. But Derek Favors, those 16 minutes a game, he's averaging 5.8 rebounds. So, Gordon, just to equate that to, we'll just say, uh, uh, playing 32 minutes a game, just for the, for the narrative right now, he probably averaging about 12 rebounds a game. So, the, so Derek Favors defensively and on the boards, which is the final touches of defense, when the shot's taken in jazz basketball, they've been able to secure the rebound and to start segue to that, Gordon, to segue it down the floor in early offense. So I know it's not either or, Gordy, but speaking of Boyan Bogdanovich, which would you rather see uh, him do, catch and shoot or start dribbling with the ball? Catch and shoot. That's his game. And right now he's struggling. He's a good player, too. I mean, last year it was a love fest, him making, making Hickman. It was rainbow corner threes. He's shooting right now 37.7 from the floor and 37.4 from three. And a lot of his hesitation. Now, the defense is guarding him. So what I recommend for him to be more movement, but off-screening action, Gordon, if, when Rudy sets that double screen, and as far as uh, Michael Kung sets the screen also where they inverted, off comes uh, early offense comes uh, Boyan Bondanovich, just catch and shoot. You know, do not hesitate. And that's Joe Ingles sometimes. Even Joe sometimes who's, who's really a solid player. He sometimes pauses too. He gets himself in trouble. If you're a shooter and your feet are set, and it's uh, the screen. The screen is being set for you. You're the first option. When that ball's being passed to you, the ball's saying to you that you are free for a shot because the defense now is a, there's an element of confusion. He's got to shoot it right away. I've got a coaching question for you, Coach. Um, so Jordan Clarkson has talked a, a couple of times this year how a big difference in his game has been the Jazz coaching staff uh, actually taking shots out of his game, getting getting him not to shoot shots he's previously shot. So my question for you is, how hard is it sometimes to reach professional players to get them to do something out of their comfort zone? Difficult, very much. And so what Jordan's saying there, that he trusts Quinn and the coaching staff that, hey, I'm a good player before I came back, I came to the Jazz, meaning Jordan, but now I'm really, uh, I'm number one in the NBA as far as a bench score at 17.4 points per game. And what they're saying right there is that shoot more shots on balance, and when you drive the ball to the basket, take less shots with degree of difficulty. And that's what they've done with him. He takes a lot of shots on the run, but it's more balanced versus, you know, where he's, his, his ball is low and his body's high, and that causes a lot of difficult things. He's really a good player, and the Jazz absolutely have to need him. So, Jake, uh, so taking uh, shots as far as uh, form, 
Everyone in the world knows when a guy takes a foul shot that, he, that his, his form is incorrect, guess, except for one guy, the guy shooting it. And so it's very difficult to correct shooting because the players that you're coaching or analyzing, they've had a level of success to get to the NBA. But to play well in the NBA or in the NFL or Major League Baseball, because the speed of the game is so much different, meaning quicker, you've got to be able to adjust your shot, which we call a quick release. And it, it so much is uh, how you feel about it, but it's the coaching, how you break it down. And a huge factor in uh, teaching uh, reinforcing shooting is one thing, do not over-talk. Just keep it simple. Gordy, one of the cliches of modern NBA basketball is positionless ball. That being said, which position do you think Donovan Mitchell is best at? Two guard. Because he scored the ball like that, 24.3 points per game, and he's absolutely a dazzling shot maker, and he can create a shot for anybody against any, any defense at every, at, uh, every NBA game. He has tremendous ball skills. You know, he has that pause dribble. He's got that inside-outside hand change dribble. He's got that around the back, and he's got that innate body hang to create a shot. So he's really a two-guard, but he's such a, a good guy as far as team player that he's averaging five assists a game so that when he does get into the lane, which is definitely an improvement over his first few years, he's thinking, what, to make a play, and that helps him tremendously. So he's a better two-guard than point guard, yet he can play point guard in a winning atmosphere, too. And yet, and yet sometimes, Gordy, we see, especially in the fourth quarter, we'll see Quinn give the ball to, to uh, Donovan, and he will initiate the offense, oftentimes clearing things out for himself, but also passing the ball off. So what's the difference between that and playing point guard? And if that's what he's doing that must be something that Quinn wants him to do. So that, you know, that's a little bit of a contradiction, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. So a point goal, what you're saying there, your point is right set. In the fourth quarter, everything changes. But when you're a point guard in the NBA, a la Chris Paul, a la John Stockton, a la Steve Nash, it's such a mental strain so that you don't want to use uh, the mental strain on Donovan Mitchell to make him only a point guard where he has to initiate offense every possession. I call that a mental health break in a game. When we had Stockton for all those years, as great as he was, every once in a while we'd run a certain play after a timeout to get John off the ball to give him a mental health break because there's so much pressure to get everybody organized on every possession. And Chris Paul is the, in this generation, Chris Paul is the master of it. And Donovan could do that, but he's even better innate scorer with a huge element of being pass happy. But in the fourth quarter, because now there's a finish line, meaning what? When there's 0-0 on the clock, that Donovan can do both, both initiate offense, but score it, and do it what? In a dazzling fashion to get momentum baskets to to win by 3-4-5. You know, it's interesting, Jake, that uh, Gordy said that, because remember when uh, when uh, Joe Ingles was asked about the, uh, Donovan's effectiveness in that regard, and he said sometimes he'll he'll come over and say, hey, Joe, you take this. For that very reason, Gordy, that you were just talking about, like he wanted a little bit of a blow right there. And that makes sense. Oh, very much. Just think about it, Gordon and, and, and Jake. In an NBA game, generally speaking, is 110 possessions. 
Uh, you're a point guard for, for your team now, for your team. Uh, you're a point guard, so you're Chris Paul, in that your job is to get everybody organized literally almost every time. Now, we know sometimes, Jake, like any business, people have amnesia during, during work-related situations. So suddenly, oh, my teammates, my floor mates have amnesia. And then suddenly you, you're trying to execute some sort of uh, play action or a set play. And by the way, your rookie uh, small forward is what? On the wrong side of the floor. And you've got to organize it. And it's how you, how you encourage people and how you direct them. And that's why it's so important every once in a while. It's nothing against your, uh, your abilities. Take a mental health break where you're off the ball, where you're more an opposition or two. You're less uh, striking mode. You're more what? Resting your head. Coach, I understand. <laughs> Jake. Jake, don't you, uh, don't you feel that way sometimes during the show? Because you're always handling the ball. Am I? Am I now? No, no. See, I'm, you're, I'm you're, you're, you're carrying. No, I meant that in a, in a, in a oh, positive okay. sense that right. you, you're, you have the heavy responsibility. Oh, yeah. Thanks, buddy. All right. You, you I'm, need I'm, a mental health break. I thought <laughs> you were calling him a ball hog. I did, too. I no, no, no. I Gordy, I didn't mean that. No, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, Jake, Jake is really a, a, lot of, a lot of things, including a mental health break enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> All right, Coach A, uh, you have a list for us today. And yeah, I gotta... last week, uh, yeah. Gordon, we were talking on the air about the uh, the top five players, so I expanded that. So his quick list. This is the top 15 all-around, and that's the catchword, Gordon, all-around NBA players this season. And here's the criteria. One, of course, scoring skills. Two, clutch plays Alpha dog, three, talent, versatility, and playmaking skills. Four, yes, on-off ball defense. You, if you're a top 15 all-around player, you've got to be able to guard, please, some of the time versus none of the time. And five is that thing called age. If things were almost equal, I'm going to lean towards a guy that's slightly younger. So, again, every one of these guys are all-stars. Top 15, which means that there's at least 9 to 15 players that were all-stars on a, even on this list. Right, here we go. Number 15 all-around player from the Heat, Jimmy Butler. Number 14 from the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. Number 13 from the Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry. Number 12 from the 76ers, Ben Simmons. Number 11, formerly of Weber State, from the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard. Number 10, from the 76ers, Joel Embiid. Number 9, from the Clippers, Paul George. Number 8, from the Nets, James Harden. Number 7, from the Nuggets, Nikolai Jokic. Number 6, from the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard. Number 5 now, from the Bucks, Giannis Adenakupo. Number four, from the Lakers, Anthony Davis. Number three, from the Nets, Kevin Durant. Our number two, from the Mavericks, Luka Dantage. And number one, this guy is age 36, top of his game. He's almost ageless from the Lakers, number one player all around the NBA, LeBron James. Still. You know, always, always the MVP, it seems. 
So that list is, uh, there's so many guys not on that list that are all-stars, but all-around games. Love it. So you think overall, Gordy, that Ben Simmons is ahead of Donovan? Right now, only because of his, his length and his all-around game as far as uh, almost like a walking triple-double. So if I was counseling Donovan, be yourself because you score the ball, but also try to be a better rebounder. So a lot of times, you know, he can improve himself as far as a player by getting more defensive rebounds. You know, when that shot's taken in the air and you're playing defense, I'm flying in there. I'm getting six, seven, eight rebounds a game because, one, I, got, I have some serious hops, but also what? I want to do this. Well, well, Coach, thank you for dropping by the show as always. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Peace out. See you, Coach. That's our friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa, of course, longtime jazz assistant uh, and then has been in the NBA for, for years and years, a pro player personnel uh, guy as well. So always a pleasure to have Coach on the show. Yes, indeed. I don't think that that uh, preference will be overly popular with jazz fans, but that's that's the way Gordy sees it. Yeah, well, you know, we can always disagree. Ain't no good guys. So, no so in that guys. case, as he was listing those players off, I'm thinking, okay, in the West – the Clippers have two, and the Lakers have two. No huge surprise there. The Jazz have one. So they have to make up for that deficit somehow or another. Well, and then they have one player. Their their number two guy is the, you know, the pendulum is all the way to the defensive end, right? I mean, the, the best defensive mm-hmm. team in, or uh, player in the league. It's a little bit different. So it's a different there. form of yeah, great. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Ben Simmons thing, hey, listen, I am no Ben Simmons fan, uh, but he's a fine defensive player. I mean, for yes. you know, he's very athletic. He's got great size. He's usually guarding players that are smaller than he is. He can switch on to anybody. I mean, you know, again, we're I, I am no member of the Ben Simmons fan club, but he's a fine defensive player. And then Bede has had a terrific year. I mean, he seems to seem to really be coming along. All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. We have a uh, we have drop of the day that happened over the weekend that reminded us of another one of our favorite uh, uh, <laughs> moments. How about that? We'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. It's big show ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? <laughs> Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Drop of the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips. Brought to you by Jimmy's Flowers. Valentine's Day is coming fast, and we know that flowers make the perfect gift. Place your order today while the selection is great. Uh, you can get those delivered as well. Jimmy's Flowers with locations in Ogden, Layton, and Bountiful. You can also check them out on jimmysflowers.com. That's jimmysflowers.com. Jimmy's you know, Flowers. Let me, let me... Let me make one comment about Jimmy's because, Jake, you and I have been there, obviously, and the the quality of the flowers just – that's the thing that really stands out to me. It, it's not one of these cheap flowers that they just sort of dress up, but the arrangements are terrific. But I've always just been blown away by, the, by just the way the overall product comes out. Yep, they're awesome. Uh, Mike and his crew, oh. they do a fine, fine work at Jimmy's Flowers. All right, you ready for Drop of the Day, Gordo? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how closely you've been following uh, ACC basketball, uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this just in, Duke is not very good. 
uh, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, not very good at all. In fact, as I uh, scroll to it, that's too bad. Uh, Duke is let's see three and three in conference play, and they are five and five overall. In fact, North Carolina isn't playing all that well. Duke's not playing all that well. Darn. I, w- I wish hate, UVA weren't playing well. On, but. Why are you hating on Duke so much? What's the matter with Duke? Same reason I hate on Tom Brady. They're the favorite. So I don't like them. Yep. Uh. uh yeah, I mean, you know, I I was a big Grant Hill fan back in the day. Uh Why? I suppose cuz Grant Hill was awesome. He was so good in college too. But he went to Duke. He did go to Duke. But Duke wasn't exactly there, Duke at the time. But there's this sort of this I don't know what it is. There's something about Duke that seems to be a real lightning rod. Uh some people just are just like Austin said, "Why don't you like Duke?" Because they're Duke. Everybody I've, likes I've Duke. never completely understood that. I the the thing that bugs me about Duke is the same thing that bugged me about Lance, Lance Armstrong is they're most likely cheating, right? And yet they're <laughs> they're almost, you know, like untouchable. Like how dare you suggest such a thing? Because like Duke has been so consistently good for so long. So in in a in a game where everybody is cheating, you're telling me you're the one team that does it correctly and yet you're that good. I'm just not. I don't know. It's the untouchable like nature of it that, that bothers me. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech's. I mean, they're 20th in the country right now, but it's not like they've been a basketball powerhouse. And Jake's <laughs> under no delusion that Virginia Tech's not cheating too. I'm sure they are. Let's hope so. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you think everyone's cheating in college basketball? You think that's is that what they should do? They just open everything up and let uh, let the teams, the programs, do whatever they want. They sh- yes. Should they do that? I don't think so. I think they should uh, monitor the current situation, which they don't. Nah, give me Total Recall. Give me Thunderball or uh, uh, Blade Runner and, and Thunderdome. No rules. Anarchy. That's what I want. That's what you're looking for. Okay. Well, give well, give each player to, a switchblade and a baseball bat too while you're. <laughs> you'd be able to avoid hypocrisy that way. I suppose. That's how we could improve golf too. But anywho, getting uh, getting back to the drop of the day here, uh, Duke lost one over the weekend. And shoot, I just lost this. I think it was to Louisville, wasn't it, Austin? I don't know. Like, like that really matters. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it was Pitt, uh, yeah, Louisville. Yeah. It was Louisville. So they, they lose to Louisville over the weekend. And uh, Coach K was asked a question by a student reporter. I can't remember what the Duke newspaper is, but he works for the Duke newspaper, all right? I think and it's the Dukey. The Dukey. <laughs> here we go. Here's, uh, here's how that uh, interaction went. Hi, Coach. I'm just curious as to what, what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard-fought game. Yeah, I don't know if, like, when... What what what's your major? What's your major at Duke? What's your hardest class? Econ. Okay, so say you just had the toughest econ test in the world, and when you walked out, somebody asked you, "What's your next step?" Uh, you see what I mean? Does that you have some empathy and and? Yeah, just give us time to evaluate this game, and then we'll we'll figure out just like we always try to do. So there's there's Coach K getting a little testy with his student reporter. Well, 
it's funny because I don't think he would respond that way if they were on a 20-game win streak. You think? And by the way, yeah. and of course it reminded us of the infamous Jim Boylan situation, but that student reporter, that wasn't a terrible question. What do you got to do yeah. to to move on from this? I mean, what are you going to do next week? That's not a, I mean, that's a that's a question we hear in almost every press conference. I mean, there was nothing wrong with that question whatsoever. And then to you know, some people have said, and, and Austin and I kind of debated this off the air, whether people uh, getting bent out of shape at Coach K or, or just overreacting. But it was so like the the way that he pointed out that he's a student and not a legit reporter with that condescending comparison. I, that's what I found offensive by it. Like, you're just a student. I, you don't belong here. Like, what's your toughest class? What's your major? And then, you know, basically to to put him in his place. That's what I found offensive by it. It really didn't bother me that much um, because I I don't know whether he was being condescending or whether he was just trying to make a comparison, an analogy that uh, he thought the the kid might be able to relate to. Uh, I don't, I yeah I could tell from his tone that he wasn't overly pleased with it, but I didn't think it was spiteful. How many how many personal analogies have uh, uh, people you've inter- uh, interviewed uh, come up with uh, to to correct you on your question, Gordon? How many times? No, has that I, no, I, no I've had people I've had people make uh, analogies that in explaining something to and, tell you you're asking a bad question. That's happened to you before. No. <laughs> No, but I've asked a question, and and they have made a comparison as to what why answer they have to answer that question a certain way. Um, I, I you know I've been on the receiving end of those kinds of things from coaches as you know, it may come as like a surprise that? to you. You have not come on like that like that. Like that? <laughs> Hey, my dog Lucy just died, all right? My, my real problem with the whole thing is I'm, I'm kind of with you, Gordon. It didn't seem overly uh, so disrespectful and outwardly condescending, although it was still condescending. Very. My problem with it was the the plea for empathy. Please, we just lost our third basketball game in a row. Please be nice to us. Shut up. You're Duke. You're better than that. You should be able to take criticism. And even if you want to call a question, how do you move on from your third loss in a row of criticism? Have a little more of your grown-up pants on there, Mike. Maybe, but he was he was trying to explain why, uh, what his position was on, on that in this particular year with this particular team. And like I said, if they'd been on some kind of massive win streak, maybe he would have said, hey, we're just concentrating on what we got to get done. Uh, what we just got done and what we're going to get done in the next game, whatever. But he's he's taken a battering this year. And, and, and if he's going to go that route, like you're talking about, Gordon, with this uh, newspaper, uh, this this student reporter who he says, hey, we, we're having a tough time, you know, give us some empathy, give us some time to talk about this. Then the DukeFanboy.com blogger in the next question who says, oh, so-and-so was just incredible today. Coach, can you talk about what a great person and what a great story he is? Then Coach's response to that should be, no, give us some time. We just lost our third game in a row. But instead it was, oh, yeah, he's wonderful. I know his parents. He has straight A's. He, ha- he gives blood on the weekends, and he's good at basketball. That bothers me. And Coach K All did right. call this guy to apologize. So even Coach K really? thought he had something to apologize for. Okay. He did. All yes. Right. So he that did. bothers me too. Why does that bother you? I don't. I just don't understand. Only after there was outcry, then he feels bad about it. Well, why? Did, why is 
I don't understand why Gordon feels like he's got to defend Coach K here. I don't think that's what Gordon's doing. I think I don't. I don't. Gordon, are you defending Coach K? I'm. I'm just sort of exploring it. Oh, you are. Um, yes, he's been defending him for like five minutes now. No, I'm not necessarily defending him. I just didn't think. I just didn't think it was egregious. Uh, it was. You know. I wish the student yeah. reporter had said, "That's none of your blankety blank business, sir." What Answer my, the question. What my major is. Answer the question or don't. don't what is it? Any of his business? What his Come major on. is? Well, he was just trying to make a comparison with him. You know, it's just he like, doesn't ask the the, yeah. the beat writer, "What's your hobby on the weekends?" Yeah, what, and and what is he <laughs> trying not, to? What's he no, trying to he explain? Just, what's he, he trying, trying to, to explain with his comparison? He was trying to say something that 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 the that the questioner would be able to relate to because he couldn't possibly understand basketball. Well, well, why, he's an econ major. Why didn't Coach K just say that's a dumb question? I'm not going to answer it. Well, I think why does he need to explain worse. anything to him? He's explaining to the reporter how the reporter should do his job. No, he was trying to explain. That's exactly what he did. I mean, okay, you can take it that way, but I think he it was also explaining his position. I'm not defending anything. I'm just saying that he he uh, in a very tough spot right now. He's he's trying to work his way through with this team. Poor baby, and and <laughs> he needs so. he needs a little more empathy. No, and so he was trying to say, "This is this is why I'm responding this way, and maybe you can relate to it if somebody asked you about your whatever you're studying." So I, I you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, it's he's probably testy because it's not being a kind of classic Duke year. I but, agree. I was, I agree with you, Gordon. They should just leave Coach K alone. Leave Coach <laughs> K alone. Has it been through enough? Hasn't he been through enough? <laughs> Leave, him often, Leave him alone. Uh, that, uh, maybe, lost maybe three they, in a row. Show some he, empathy. He deserves maybe, to be condescending and kind of a jerk. You're I mean, an econ major. He's earned it. Maybe the student journalist uh, was uh, only showing up once every two years. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, real quick here, uh, some news coming out of the Deseret News. Your guy Doug Robinson has a column up uh, about Gary Anderson and his departure from Utah State with a bit of new information. Um, He's been told that uh, Gary, in uh, parting ways with Utah State, left $2.7 million on the table. Hmm. Well, he's done it before. Yeah, he's done it before with, uh, and I'm trying to scroll down here to see exactly what the what it was from Oregon State. Here it is, uh, reported twelve point six million dollars he left on the table uh, from uh, Oregon State, which you know don't do math on the air, but over fifteen million bucks he's left on the table uh, with two jobs. Wow. So I asserted way back when this happened. 
because of what people had told me that he it was more that he had quit than he was fired or that he did not like what was shaping up and so he decided to leave immediately but there have also been reports that he was fired so which one is it which what, what did doug say uh i don't know if he got into the specific verbiage um but it's got to be at least some quit to it right because he's not holding him to the contract i mean that's a that's a decision gary himself is making so and like cuz i didn't well, see i mean utah state didn't withhold that money cuz he was fired for cause so there has to be some sort of of mutual agreement there so what's the likely scenario here that they that they wanted him to stick it out through the end of the season and then and then they were going to do their business it has that feel uh, to me yes yeah. doesn't it to That's you the way it, yeah it seems like it but I, i'll tell you gary has made decisions that maybe you would have to be inside his head to really understand them completely because you total up the dollar figure and that is huge. And even his leaving from Wisconsin was a curious decision. So leaving Wisconsin, uh, going to Oregon State, leaving Oregon State, leaving all that money on the table, and then coming to Utah State, and then leaving all that money on the table. That's that's a whole lot of money. And, if, and you could say the same thing about what was going on in Wisconsin because – there was all the talk that he wasn't an insider with the uh, with the Badgers and all this and all that, but man, he he had uh, had himself a situation there where I don't know if he was going to beat Ohio State, but he, on a regular basis, but he was he was going to win a lot of games. So, guys, is this a smokescreen from Anderson to say, look, if I don't do the work, I don't want to accept any money, or is this actual virtue of Gary Anderson's? Which do you think it is? Is it a, oh, I'm better than I actually am? I didn't quit on these guys and I only take money for work I do. I'm a good person. Or is it that he actually is a good person and won't take money for work he doesn't do? I don't know enough about this to, to grant somebody virtue, I don't think. I mean, usually there's a, a pretty good reason people do things. So my, my overall experience with Gary Anderson is that he was he seemed like a good guy to me. Uh, I, but I don't know all the details with every decision that he's made uh, over the past number of years. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand it completely. And I don't know whether he's explained it to anybody, at least for publication. So he's got his reasons, and he did what he did. So I don't know how much money. He's probably made a lot of money, but, you know, it's expensive being rich. And uh, I, I don't. Maybe he has made good investments, and maybe he has uh, been frugal with his resources, and he's just plenty comfortable and doesn't have to worry about it. But uh, total that up, what did it come out to? About twenty million. Around there, yeah. Yep. What What's it like to be that comfortable where you can pass on that sort of thing, Gordon? And claim yeah, it as know. a virtue. I I wouldn't know. I'll tell you right now, oh, no. if, if someone tells me uh, you aren't going to work for the next year, we're firing you, but we're going to pay you for the next year, I'm taking the money for the next year. Well, especially at that rate, yeah. But if I have made $400 million and they say, oh, you're going to take this $2.7 million to not work, I could, I could see the benefit of saying, I don't take money I don't earn. 
when really it's just that I don't need it and that makes me look mm-hmm. better. See, I like I like I mean it's kind of weird because some of these personalities are really quirky, but I like people who do what they do and invest their energy into it because they love doing it. And that that's their primary motivation. I know everyone has to support their families and has to make a living. But I've that I've always been attracted to that quality. Even though sometimes those people are really quirky, I like it. I like that they care so much about what they're doing. And some of them are flat-out jerks, you know. I mean, I think of somebody like Steve Jobs, who a lot of people just thought was totally out of control and, and, and a nut and uh, – just uh, rude to people and whatnot. But I, I think he, and maybe he was money-driven to some extent, but, and it's easy to be eccentric about what you do for a living and you have your passion as, as uh, run as hot as his did for what he was doing when you already got a bunch of money in your pocket. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've just always found people who have a certain vision for what they wanted to do, and that's that was the key to the, their motivation, not, okay, I'm going to see how rich I can get, how quick I can get rich, and not really care about the details of what I'm into. Uh, it, it, that that seems less, less, uh, what's the word, less... Uh, virtuous. I don't have a word. Well, not even virtuous. That's, that, that's not it. Just admirable, I think. I don't know. Just my thought. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Don't forget uh, Utah State UNLV uh, jumping on at 6.30. That'll be on 12.80 a.m. And then after the Big Show, uh, it will be on both signals. So stay tuned. More coming up next, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's good to have uh, a big stash of money. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 uh, The Zone. Another Monday comes and goes, Gordon. We certainly weren't uh, lacking for things to talk about today, were we? No, all kinds of things to get into, even though apparently about half of them you didn't want to talk about. You know, you want to talk about the brilliance of Tom Brady. You didn't want to talk about the Chiefs. I mean, okay. But he, he led his team to victory. Kinda. His team won <laughs> while he his, threw his three team, interceptions. Yeah, his team won in spite of him, and because the other team decided to punch itself right in the groin. See, you guys are you guys are tearing at your own credibility by harping on that. I mean, the touchdown passes he threw were pretty sweet. The three interceptions, three possessions in a row he threw were pretty sweet. So, so that's what you're harping on. Of course, He's got a great defense though. Nobody focuses on the fact that Jameis Winston threw 100 touchdowns last year. They focus on the fact that he threw 100 <laughs> interceptions. I didn't hear anybody fully so, anybody coming to Jameis's rescue saying, yeah, but what about all the touchdowns he threw? An you interception Tom, can hurt you, you are, more than a touchdown can help you, you. You guys are Tom Brady haters and you're Kansas City Chief haters. And, you know, I don't know Damn right. how else to say it, but it's apparent. Well, you're going to turn into a Tom Brady hater in the, over the next couple of weeks because you're going with the Chiefs. Well, I don't know if I'm going. I haven't you're made up my mind. That was my pick before the season started, but we'll, we'll see. I'm going to flip flop about that. Let me let me uh, flip flop. That was in uh, that was like in August. Let me let me uh, let me <laughs> like uh, uh, you know let me spoil this for our listeners. He's picking the Chiefs. 
<laughs> if there was an over under associate with Gordon picking the Chiefs, where what number you put? What do you on mean? The like, there? like, oh, the percentage yeah, chances yeah, yeah, that yeah. Gordon's picking the Chiefs? The likelihood on a scale of one to ten, it can't be an on over a scale under, of yeah. one to ten. We'll put it at uh, eight my, and a half. My surety, oh, way over ten. <laughs> yeah, Gordon's picking the Chiefs. I'm telling you. What if Are Mahomes you to is injured in the next week? To pick Tom Brady in the Bucks? I'm not pushing you anywhere. You I'm just I'm just going Miss Cleo on you here and telling you what's going to happen. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you reading my mind. Let me let me uh, let me look into my crystal ball here. Gordon's going with the Chiefs. I think uh, what we ought to do actually between now and the Super Bowl Sunday is we ought to have like one moment. Every day at every show, uh, uh, examining the brilliance of Tom Brady. You edit it together, right and I'll play guys? it. Yeah, but if you if you uh, no. if you edit it, we'll play it. Yeah. Why do That's I have fair. to edit it? Because I've got lots better things to do with my time. <laughs> of course. And you you're do. the you're the one who wants it. That's only fair. Wait a minute. If the Titans were in the Super Bowl, how hard would that be to shove Austin into, into doing that? Not, not, not as hard. That's very correct. <laughs> what you'd be volunteering volumes. I've got to book guests. I got to focus on the jazz sound bites. I got to get the jazz uh, media availability to you. I got a local college hoops is heating up. Well, and you don't have time to take a, a break every five minutes to vomit. That's true. It would make it. It would make it last a lot longer. And uh, the sanitary uh, situation right. in the studio needs to stay how it is. Yeah, exactly. But they're at home, Gordon. You can put together something and, and send it right. to me. I'm sure you have it uh, ready, actually. Gonna, Isn't it like your ringtone? We're going to have to come up with something to, to, to make this interesting to you guys so that you'll be a little more cooperative <laughs> about this Super Bowl. Because right now, Jake, you've already proclaimed that you're not going – not only are you not going to watch it, you're going to watch Mickey Mouse uh, Clubhouse or whatever you said. Uh-huh. That's a know, great comment. Yep. I am. <laughs> that that can't be true. I mean, we probably the Mickey goes to Mars episode where they meet Martian, Mickey, Minnie, Pluto. You know what? I, Austin knows what the I'm Halloween one's similar. Yeah. Where there's a Halloween version of each it's of gonna them. It's going to be great. All right. Who do uh, you hate Gordon. more, Tom Brady or the Kansas City Chiefs? Or Petey? He's a bully on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Petey. Oh, Pete. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, who, who do I dislike more, Tom Brady or the entire Kansas City? I kind of like Daniel Sorensen. Is there anything you like about the Bucks? Uh, I liked their old orange uniforms. <laughs> oh, jeez. This is going to be like pulling teeth all week. All right, Gordon, you have yourself a fine evening, buddy. <laughs> you too. Try to settle down. Try to gather yourself a little bit and uh, appreciate how great these teams are. It's a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.